Our Father God, we lift up this time in the word. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill everyone within the sound of my voice and lock us in. Lord, that you would speak through me your word to go out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil that even now, Holy Spirit, you're preparing. And the Holy Spirit, water the seed that it'll take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. We bind away any hindrance, but I ask you, Holy Spirit, to literally just captivate where people give you their best ear, their full attention, and total focus. And I pray, Lord, you'd anoint our eyes and ears that we have eyes and ears of the Spirit. And, Lord, let the light of truth, the light of heaven shine into people's eyes and into mine so that people can really receive and understand what you're speaking. Because the Bible says, to those that have ears, let them hear. And, Lord, I ask you to give us spiritual ears to be able to hear and be able to get out of this everything that you have for us. We thank you for it. I ask you to bless this time and anoint it and use it powerfully. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. This was a little off the cuff for me because I got this kind of last minute, but I felt the Lord saying he wanted me to share this. All right. A religious spirit produces a death structure. I want everybody to really get that. A religious spirit produces a death structure. Now, another way of saying that is a religious spirit produces a stronghold of death. So we, we joke around sometimes talking about dead services, dead worship, a dead church, a dead ministry, whatever. But really, you know, it's not a laughing matter. It's actually a serious problem because it's creating a culture of death. It's actually a death structure. It's a stronghold. And what a religious spirit will do is it will come in the way of like a python that will literally begin to squeeze the life out of a ministry, a church, a person, whatever. It will try to cause like like a spiritual wet blanket just to flop down over a minister or a ministry of any kind and try to snuff out the fire where it's difficult to breathe spiritually. Is everybody getting this? Because this is so important. It's difficult to really pray. It's difficult to worship. It's difficult to read the Bible. It's difficult to enter in. Because it comes in the way of, of literally trying to set up a stronghold, a structure. So picture like a castle. It's trying to build stone by stone is trying to build around a person, a family, or a ministry around you, over top and around. It's trying to create a structure of death. It's spiritual death, but it also begins to operate in physical health problems that go along with it. So it doesn't just remain a spiritual problem. It bleeds over into where finances seem like they should be more. But all of a sudden, it's like it's drying up because it's connected, because it's a structure of death where there really should be more provision and there should be better health because where there's a flow, the Bible talks about Romans 8, it talks about the spirit of life. Where there's a flow of life, then there's going to be healing and health. But when there's a structure of death, then there's going to be a result of health problems. 
and it will try to be chronic where even if you get over one thing, it produces something else because it's a spirit behind it. And what it's also trying to do is try to, what Daniel said, wear down the saints by constantly just continual warfare. And it may not be something huge and, I mean, this massive, huge, but it's, what it is, it's just a continual, stubborn thing day after day after day after day to where somebody is beat down to a place to where, spiritually speaking, they feel spiritually weak. And in a spiritually weak place, people are vulnerable for things because their faith begins to sag. <coughs> and when your faith begins to sag, and go down, that's when your shield of faith is, is getting lowered. Where your shield of faith starts coming down some, and all of a sudden now something is, is able to get to the mind area and stick. And maybe even the shield goes down a little bit further and it's able to hit the emotions. And it's it's actually kind of sticking. And and somebody's beginning to be mentally tormented and emotionally tormented. But it, behind the scenes is a religious spirit. Now, I'm sharing on this because this is a major battleground in our city, in our region. And you guys, if you've really ever listened to me about spiritual warfare-related teaching, this one needs to be one that you really hear because this is a major, major battle. And I really feel, and y'all need to hear me prophetically, I really feel that in the future there's going to be some major breakthroughs that we're going to experience here. It's going to open up things, and the ministry that all the different prophecies that have been there are going to start unfolding, all that's going to happen. And what's going to happen is, is once that breakthrough takes place, and the harvest starts coming in. All these prophecies from people. I mean, this is multiple prophets. The harvest starts coming in. Things start happening. What's going to What do you think is going to rise up in protest? It's going to be a religious spirit. And let me tell you that when you're dealing with world ruling spirits, these are the highest ranking beings in Satan's kingdom, and they influence the whole planet. And in that, you have things like a Jezebel spirit. You have things like witchcraft. You have things like a rebellion or, um, you know, racism. There's different spirits that it's a global thing. It's not limited to America. It's not limited to Dallas. It's global. There's several spirits like that. You've got mind control. You, you've got different spirits that blanket the whole world, okay? What happens is, is that Satan puts little principalities and powers over areas, and these fallen angels are really powerful. I mean, they, they, they're, they're over a region. So here we have over the Rockwall, Dallas area, there's a principality that seems to have a throne in Deep Ellum. And then you've got a principality in East Texas that is connected to the Native American culture that was once there. I'm just telling you, I've seen it. It's, it's Native American in, in its uh, appearance. And here... It's, it's more of like Satan worship, witchcraft, occult in this area. So you're dealing with these two principalities. And what they've done is, is they've set up over time 
They've set up a structure, a stronghold in this region of death and its religion. And because people are religious, they're not, it's not seeing revival. But Christians, here's where these little principalities, they get their power because all of the people under their authority are in agreement with that. They're in agreement with religion. Does this make sense? And when you've got a huge group of people that are in agreement, they're, they're Christians, but they're in agreement with religion and they're in agreement with that principality, that principality has a lot of strength because of that. If all the people in the region got free from religion, that principality would be dethroned. But because of all the religion, it's, it has a throne and it has a power base. And it's created this death structure. This is what we're facing right now. And one day down the road, you're really going to see it. But the way religion works is these principalities, they, they get their anointing from the world rulers. So follow me. So let's say, for example, I'm going to use something spiritual and of Christ to help you understand. I remember whenever Rodney Howard Brown prayed for me, I had never really seen a lot of the joy, laughter stuff break out in my meetings. This was years ago. And I was ministering at this home for teens, and God was moving powerfully. I mean, they were being healed, baptized, Holy Spirit delivered. It was awesome. But Rodney had laid hands and prayed over me, and I noticed that as I went back from that meeting and was praying for him like I always did, behind me I could hear some of them laughing. See, there had been an impartation. There had been something I picked up that came into my life from him that started releasing into the meetings. Now, now I'm going to use that because Satan counterfeits everything. I want you to get this. So whenever this principality, people are religious, it is able to draw like an anointing from these world rulers from different sources. It's able to pull that unto itself, and that's how it's getting its power from, from some kind of a spiritual authority figure over it, and it's drawing that unto itself. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of control and manipulation come together with religion. And so you're seeing an influence of Jezebel. You're seeing an influence of like a religious Pharisee. And you're also seeing an influence of Leviathan. But all three of those things I just named are world rulers. But this principality has drawn that evil anointing unto itself because that's what people hear have been allowing to go on. Is this making sense? When the people here allow it to go on and they don't repent, they keep allowing it to go on, it gives that principality the right to draw that evil anointing unto itself from its authority figures and set up a structure and a stronghold and a power base. And what you're seeing in our region is religion, Leviathan, and the Jezebel spirit, and it's come together in that principality. And you're seeing it in the church, and that's what's concerning. Now, I said all that because that's what you're facing because you live here. And really, in many ways, there's a lot of similarities. So when you guys go back, there's a lot of similarities to that. So you need to be aware of it because I promise you to some extent you're going to face this on some level. Some of you more than others. People that are intercessors and worship leaders, probably not so much. But people that are 
like Pastor Stevo and myself and Anthony, we're going to be ready. And Brother Zach with discipleship too, because that religious spirit tries to use Christian people. And so here you are minding your business, just doing what Jesus called you to do. And all of a sudden, these Christians are opposing you. They're, they're opposing really the anointing, but they're opposing you. Let me show you a scripture, and I'm going to give you some things. So 2 Corinthians 3, 6, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So what happens is, is religious people, they have learned the Bible but they've learned it as the letter. The letter kills. They'll quote scripture, but it's from a structure of death. This is good stuff. I'm telling you. They know the Bible. They can quote it, but they're, they don't even mean to. They're under the influence of something. And they're actually being used of that thing, that religious spirit, to try to put out the fires of revival. They're trying to stop up the flow of the spirit. They don't mean to, but they're actually quoting scripture against it. And when you sit back and think about it, it's so ridiculous. But they're quoting the Bible and they're using the Bible in the way of the letter that kills. And here's ways that you may face it, okay? Number one is the battleground of praise and worship. You know, Brother Benny talked about it. I talk about it all the time, but I'm telling you, that is a major battleground. Satan does not want freedom and praise and worship. So what they'll do is these religious people will try to say, well, you know, there's not these things in the New Testament. There's not drums named in the New Testament. There's not guitars or keyboards and and what's up with all this jumping around business? It's, you know, how's that decent and in order? See, they'll quote the Bible. They'll quote decent and in order. But see, what they don't understand is, is that they're quoting the Bible, but they're quoting it under the, under the spirit that kills because it's a, it's a religious spirit. And if you go back to what the Old Testament laid out for us, all of that freedom and praise and worship is in the Bible. Amen? But they're... they're they're trying to take the word of God and use it in a, in a way that's from a point of view of death. Because if you listen to them and you start pulling back the praise and worship, everybody calm down, just, you know, and you get it all dead like that, it's going to kill the move of the spirit. And that's what, that, that's what that religious spirit wants to do. It wants to kill the move of the spirit. And I'm just telling you that there cannot be compromise. You, you, if people come in that are religious and they're not going to repent, Jesus gives everybody a chance. But if they're not going to change and repent, they're going to keep opposing. Then it's like, we love you, but there's other churches out there. You hear what I'm saying? We love you. But there's nothing there. Like, we don't hate you. You're not our enemy, but there's some other place for you because we're not changing. There's no compromise. And I've had to be that way with some people because it's like, we're not changing. You know, if you can't handle this, if this is not for you, then there's other churches out there. But we're not going to stop the move of God and be like, Holy Spirit, this person over here just doesn't like what you're doing. You know, 
So we're just going to shut everything down to make this little Pharisee over here happy. And, you know, and we're just, give me a break. That's what they want. They want to control. It's all about control. And that's where the Jezebel spirit comes in because it's about control. See, the way that I run things is this. Holy Spirit, take control. And then I just do what he wants to do. They don't want that. They want they want control. They want to take control. Holy Spirit, stop. We're going to do this. That's what they want. The battleground of tongues. Oh, my goodness. The religious spirit hates tongues. Anytime that somebody starts going off about tongues, that automatically right there, you don't have to have any discernment. You didn't have to pray that day. You don't, you don't have to have any discernment at all. You can have a bad day. As soon as they go off about tongues being of the devil or whatever, red flag, religious spirit right there. That's what it is. You don't, you don't have to discern it. I'm telling you, it's a religious spirit. They, they hate tongues and they hate the gifts of the spirit. Another big battleground area is about apostles and prophets. Now, they'll be okay with pastor so-and-so. They'll be okay with evangelist, Reverend D. They'll be okay with evangelist, Anthony. They'll be okay with teacher. But if, you, but if it's a prophet or an apostle, man, it's just they're going to hate that. And they'll do everything they can to come against that label. A religious spirit hates that. It hates the apostles and the prophets and that title. And one of the reasons why is because apostles and prophets really are the ones that bring the most breakthrough. That's where, that's where breakthrough comes. And even as, as Brother Benny came as a prophet and we received him as a prophet and honored him, I noticed the next day it felt like there were certain things that broke, just broke in different people's lives things that he prophesied over you individually, but also some things he had a prophecy about the ministry, and I felt, as I listened to it the next day, I felt that something had broke there. Because apostles and prophets bring breakthrough. That's what they do. And so they, the religious spirit hates that. It also comes against the anointing and Holy Spirit manifestations. Now, I can give you scripture, and I'm going to in the Seductions of Satan series. I will give it to you, I promise. The next three Saturdays, there's, a, there's some scripture I have about like falling on the floor, weeping, laughing, all of that. Okay, It's all in the Bible. But a religious spirit just can't stand that. I'm telling you, you, you go through and you pray for people. So-and-so is over here laughing, and they just cannot stand it. So-and-so is over there weeping. They can't stand it. Why are they falling down? Why do they have to be loud? You know, why do they have to cry like that? What is funny? <laughs> Nothing is funny. <laughs> there was not a joke that was told. Nothing's funny. Why are they laughing? You know, and they just can't stand that. They can't stand the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You know, during the Brownsville revival, people would, you know, shake and under the power of God. And, and people hated it. And they would mock. And I remember Steve Hill saying one time that there was a pastor that came and, and um, he, was, he had gone out of the church during the revival, gone out to his car, and he was leaving. 
But he was mocking and making fun of people in there. He was mocking and making fun of them, you know, shaking and stuff. And he was trying to get some of his people with him to, to laugh. And he was, like, acting. And while he was doing that, though, this is the mercy of God, the Holy Spirit fell on him, and it was like the fear of God hit him. And he fell on the ground under the fear, and he started weeping. And he started begging God's forgiveness. And he totally changed after that. But sometimes God won't do that. Sometimes he'll just lift his hand and let him go into that. But that is, that is a dangerous thing because the Bible says, you can look up this scripture, God mockers. It says that people will be God mockers in the last days. They'll mock the things of God. All right, so the religious spirit, and this is where I want to warn you, People may come to you, and they're going to say things like, well, it's unscriptural about your praise and worship. You know, so-and-so's jumping around. You know, what's all that about? What's all the shouting business, you know? It's all, and they'll say things like, it's all emotional hype. They're just trying to get everybody emotionally all stirred up and whipped up into a frenzy, and it's just, it's just a bunch of hype and a bunch of stuff like that. And they don't have a clue what they're talking about, but you need to be ready because you would be surprised how, how much power sometimes that can have. And it can start messing with your head and start trying to get you to question things. Things about tongues. And they'll quote the Bible about things being decent in order and there has to be an interpretation. That's if the tongue is a message in tongues. Not everything is a message in tongues. You know, I can start praying in the Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit praying through me, but it's not a message in tongues. But see, the Holy Spirit's order is different than man's order. And they say, what well, needs to be an order, and there always has to be an interpretation. Just pray to yourself. And I understand all of that in the Bible. I get that. But if you go from that angle, you're going from the letter of the law that kills. You have to go from the Holy Spirit, and he brings life and be spirit-led. Amen? And there is no way that neither from the scriptures and certainly not from the move of the spirit that the Holy Spirit is trying to stifle tongues. It's a religious spirit that hates tongues, not the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so another thing is spiritual pride. Let me warn you to be careful to not slip into spiritual pride yourself because God has cleaned you up. There was a time not all that long ago, a few years ago, that you would have watched things on TV that you wouldn't watch now. There's things that you would have done. There's things that would have come out of your mouth that won't come out of your mouth today. But you remember when I first, very first got saved and this guy was just ticking me off, man. And I went off, I just snapped. I mean, I was a baby Christian, man, so just be, have mercy. But I just snapped. I started cussing him out real bad. And he got scared because I was really mad, you know. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me and was like, what are you doing? You know, now I wouldn't do that. But, I mean, it was like when you're a baby Christian. Amen? <laughs> I did. It was, it, it was a scary moment. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit cleans you up. He gets that stuff out of you. Where there's things, you know, as a baby Christian, there was things that you still would have done as a baby Christian that you won't do now. You've grown up in the Lord. What I'm saying is, is you better be careful because where you're at now, there's going to be people that come in that are not there. And if you're not careful, you could look down on them. And that's religious spiritual pride. You need to always think to yourself, man, but for the grace of God, I would be there right now. And really be humble. 
okay? Spiritual pride is very dangerous. And spiritual pride about people's convictions. You know, that's why I preached on personal convictions. You know, your personal convictions are for you. There was a minister that was a part of a great move of God, and he was talking about this in a meeting I was in. He said, look, he said, there's other people that were in this revival, but he said, for me, this is what he said, for me, I, I had, I, he said, I know my own weaknesses. And so I personally did not keep a lot of the literature and things that were written about me in the revival because I didn't want to fall into pride. He said, for me personally, that was his personal conviction. But he didn't try to cram that down the other people's throats that were in that revival because some of them kept a lot of literature because it encourages them. Maybe they go through a trial in their life and they can go back to some of that to encourage them and remember, you know, the, the lion and the bear now that they're facing the Goliath, okay? But for him, his personal conviction was, I'm not, I can't do that. The Holy Spirit won't let me do that because he knows that it's a stumbling block to me. So don't cram some of your personal convictions down other people and be careful to not judge them and see yourself being more spiritual than them because you're not necessarily more spiritual. It's just the Holy Spirit knows that you can't handle that, and they can, but there's things in their life that they can't handle that you can. Amen. And the Holy Spirit knows what each person can handle. And let the Lord clean people up. You can say things in love and all of that. We set standards. I believe in setting standards. If you don't, there's going to be problems. You do need to set standards, and you do need to preach against sin. But bottom line, God has to actually do it in people. If you try to control people where you're trying to, like, let's say that they're still doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, but you come at them trying to control and really oppress them, it actually can be, a religious spirit that will turn them off. That's why some of the Pentecostal circles have been really goofy about this, but they, they've gone way over the top. I mean, they're like, women cannot wear makeup um, or jewelry, and they're dead serious, okay? I mean, it's real hardcore stuff. And they, they're real religious about it, and they're real legalistic. And what happens is there's a lot of people today right now that got turned off. I'm, I've got a neighbor Okay, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people. I know somebody right now, I can name two people right now I know that are out of church, they, they're away from God, they drink, they, they don't want anything to do with the things of God because somebody came at them from a Pharisee perspective and just simply tried to cram a bunch of rules down their throat. You have to let the Holy Spirit clean people up you got to set standards and all of that, but if you try to oppress people and try to control too much in somebody's life, it can actually turn them off to Christianity altogether. Amen? There's a balance there. But see, what you need is if you really have the anointing and the move of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will do a lot of things that, it's, that we could never do even if we wanted to. But the Holy Spirit, it says, he's come to convict the world of sin. He's come to lead people in the truth. So if you let him move in your services, he's going to deal with stuff. I do believe in preaching against sin, and it's important to do that. But if you're constantly browbeating people all the time, that's not God. And it's going to get people down emotionally where they feel like a lot of condemnation and they just feel like they can never measure up. And that's not good. There's got to be 
the balance between preaching against sin but also the grace and love of God message as well, where you have both of them together and it's balanced out. Okay? Because some people never want to preach against sin. They don't want to do that. And then what happens is, is you've got a lot of people, though, that are living in sin. And they're in danger of going to hell. So that's not right. But then you've got other people that are always just browbeating and riding people and oppressing people. And they're just, they're just, you know, all the time. And what you've got is a bunch of people living in fear, condemnation, and sitting there like this, like, I'll never measure up to anything. You know, they feel like that. And how are they ever going to do anything for the Lord? How are they ever going to stand up to the devil when they're going home feeling like a piece of garbage? So there's got to be the balance. Another thing is, don't be intimidated by the Goliath of religion. Everybody say Goliath. The religious spirit tries to, this is a manifestation of the religious spirit. It tries to come like Goliath. You're going to have to remember that, okay? The, the religious spirit is a lot like Goliath in the Bible. It, Goliath stood up there and had this, you know, I will kill anybody that tries to mess with me. I dare you to bring out somebody, you know, let's go right now type of intimidating thing. And he stood up there. He was a giant, and he tried to get everybody afraid of him. And that's exactly how a religious spirit wants to intimidate you and me to where we'll shy back. You know, you'll shy back from things you know is the Holy Spirit, but you, you're, it's an intimidation attack. And the Bible says that, that um, when it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, which I'll talk here in a moment about that, but it actually can be translated as spirit of intimidation. In the Greek, it means intimidation. And whenever somebody intimidates a preacher, it causes things to shrink back that they would normally say or do, and that's not good. It's, it's the enemy trying to come like a Goliath. And so you're going to have to be ready for the fact that that's one of the ways the religious spirit, when people are under uh, an influence of that religious spirit, it is there to try to intimidate and get you to shrink way back. And listen, the most deceptive thing about a religious spirit is this. It pretends to be the Holy Spirit. That's the worst part of it. Because people really, truly believe, I felt led to do that. There's no way it was God. It was the religious spirit. But they're like, well, you know, and the way the, when they read the Bible, it's like that religious spirit is speaking in their ear and it's putting a twist on things they're reading. It speaks to them in prayer, just like the Holy Spirit. It speaks to them. It's the spirit back there that is telling so-and-so that, you know, the preacher's letting all these shenanigans go on and on, you know. And here, you know, somebody over here laughing and falling out and speaking in tongues, all this. And it's, it's the spirit out there messing with somebody's mind, and then they rise up and they feel like I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, and you guys are wrong, and, and they really feel like it's the Holy Spirit behind them. And that's the most dangerous part of the religious spirit because people think it's the Holy Spirit. And the whole time, it's a snake that's wrapping around them and whispering in their ear. And it's not the Holy Spirit. <coughs> the religious spirit <coughs> will try to create an apathy toward the lost. Have you found yourself at times losing a burden for the lost? That thing's tried to attack me in that area sometimes. You get so caught up with other things. 
Have you ever at times in your life noticed, you know what, my prayer life isn't what it used to be. What's going on? It might be a religious spirit. You just need to think about it because this thing is in this region and it's strong, man. And so it's like you, areas of your life where things start growing a little cold might be the religious spirit. And if you stay down that path and keep going, that's a path that ultimately leads to backsliding. The last couple things is shrinking back from revival. You know that Goliath will try try to rise up. And, you know, I've heard of revivals that broke out. And there would be a write-up in the newspaper in the city or whatever, and then the preacher wants to pull back because of what's being written up in the paper making the church look like some kind of a cult or some fiasco. You know, the Sousa Street Revival, there was a religious leader. His name escapes me right now, but he was a well-known, G. Campbell Morgan, he was a well-known religious leader of his day that called the Sousa Street Revival the last vomit of Satan. Those were his exact words. It was a religious spirit. But people thought, well, G. Campbell Morgan, you know, I mean, he must know what he's talking about. Friend, how many knows he didn't have a clue? And don't ever listen to somebody that doesn't go. That's my pet peeve. Somebody wants to say, well, you know, that revival over there, it's not of God. It's like, well, have you been? Well, no. It's like, don't even talk to me, man. Don't even mention it to me until you at least go. But people do that all the time. They go by rumors and gossip is what it is. But you've got to be careful not shrink back from revival. And in the Sousa Street revival, did you know that William Seymour was not God's first choice? Did you know that a Sousa Street was, should have had a completely different name than that? The first place that God broke out revival was a, a man by the name of Billy. Um, it, some people pronounce it Smell or Smalley, but it's S-M-A-L-E. He was a powerful preacher of, believe it or not, First Baptist Church. Amen. Back then. And... Revival started breaking out in his church. He was in correspondence with Evan Roberts. It was breaking out in his church. But as the services went on night and day, night and day, all of a sudden the people in the church decided this is too much for us. We don't want this revival. And they kicked him out of their church. The revival shut down. And Frank Bartleman said about it, he said, it's a shame that a church would ever kick the Holy Spirit out like that. Well, you know what? God looked around said okay well i love pastor billy here but you know the church don't want revival and so he looked around and found william seymour on his face literally praying and crying out for a move of god like five to seven hours a day that's not an exaggeration on bonnie bray street and said here's a guy i can use and he reached over there and poured out the spirit in bonnie bray street and you know what those people there there's about a dozen you know black people at the time back whenever the jim crow laws were still in effect but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fell, and people started gathering to that house, and they never stopped. Did you know for all those years that revival went on, did you know it went seven days a week? Did you know that, that William Seymour lived in the Azusa Street mansion, was his house? He would go upstairs and go to sleep. And there would still be people there 24-7. The Azusa Street revival never had him by himself there. There was always somebody else there. And they would be having meetings down here, and he would have to go upstairs and go to bed. It was a continual seven-day-a-week revival. It never stopped for like three years. Yeah, the whole time. But he, but God said, you know what, that church over there, they didn't want revival. So, you know what, I'll move over here with these people that don't mind seven-day-a-week revival. 
So you need to think about revival. It can be taxing, but are you willing to pay the price for it? Because I know during Brownsville, Brother Kilpatrick would joke around and say Steve looked like his eyes were two burnt holes in a blanket, you know, because <laughs> he didn't sleep. But they had to, you know, the truth was that they, they literally would be shaking hands, say, see you tomorrow, and they'd walk outside, and the sun was up. The sun was coming up, six, five, six in the morning, whatever. They were leaving church, and it was the sun was already coming up. They had to go home and sleep for a few hours. Steve had to get another message, which I'm just joking when I say this, but it wasn't like they were deep and it was that hard because his sermons were like, C-O-M-E, come to the Lord. That's what the Lord says tonight. It was basically his messages, you know. (laughs) But you know what? He was preaching to lost people and sinners, and if he tried to get theological, he'd have lost them. So he was totally being used of God. I'm just kidding. But anyway, but he had to get a message and come back and do it night after night. So think about this. Are you willing to pay the price for revival, literally? Because it can cost you a lot of time. It can cost you sleep, and there's a price to pay. But how many knows the Azusa Street Revival affected the whole world? You know, because every Pentecostal movement today goes back to Azusa Street. I don't want to dwell on that too much. Let me close with fear. This went longer, but you guys are like, I can feel the anointing, and you guys are getting this, and this is, I feel it. I feel it strong. God's really getting this in good, fertile soil. But fear, fear is where the religious spirit is the root. You know, people all the time is trying to hack off a branch. They, they have a problem in their life, whether it's a, a, a battle in their health or whatever. They have some kind of problem, and they're constantly trying to hack off that branch. But a lot of times, if you'll let the Holy Spirit show you the root problem and you hit the root, everything else is going to clear up, you know. Because a lot of times the, the health issue, not always, but a lot of times the health issue goes back to something else. The relationship issue you're having maybe with your spouse that's stubborn, it goes back to something else. You keep praying, well, Lord, fix the relationship. She, you know, she needs to do this. I need to do this. She's saying I need to do this. I'm saying she needs to do this. And the Lord's going, the whole problem is way back over here. If you let me deal with this, all the rest of that would clear up. Amen? I'm just using examples. But fear is a big root when it comes to the religious spirit. And it's a big root in a lot of people's lives. But fear is something that can be very subtle and undetected. And because of a root of fear in people's lives, they don't even mean for it to be there. They, maybe they were molested when they were a kid. Maybe, maybe they went through a, a trauma where they had some car wreck or something. Or, or they, they went through a painful divorce in the past. Or, or whatever it was. And something happened in them that's a fear and now it's like a torment and even though they want to be free from the torment they've got to deal with the fear and they find themselves you know dealing with all this other stuff but they're trying to pray for the lord this other stuff deal with this stuff lord set me free from this stuff change this stuff and the lord's like the root is fear Let me get the root out of you, and the rest of that will clear up. That's the key. When you're dealing with deliverance issues, a lot of times it goes back to a root, and the root is usually not as complicated as what people try to make it seem. 
The reason why a lot of times people deal with a religious spirit is because they're afraid. They're afraid of tongues. They're afraid of being out of control. They're afraid that they'll be deceived. They're afraid that a demon will get them. I'll go in there, that Pentecostal church, where they all speak in tongues, and there'll be some demon. And they're afraid deep down that it's demonic and that some demon will get them. I'm being serious. They're afraid that they'll get some counterfeit. They're afraid that something weird will happen to them. Or they're afraid that they'll lose their status and people will think less of them. And it all goes back to a fear. And when you talk to them, it's funny because sometimes they're just, you can tell, I mean, they're just fearful. And, it's, and you're thinking to yourself, what are you afraid of? But they are afraid. And I don't want to get into pride, but the great manifestation of pride is anger. You'll see somebody on their little soapbox, and they're going off about so-and-so and just ranting and raving about some anointed preacher. And it's like, what are you so angry about? I mean, did he, did he punch you in the face? Did he steal your wallet? You know, did, what did he do to you? But they're, they're on some soapbox, and they're ranting and raving, and they're angry. And it's like, what are you angry about? And it's what it is. It's spiritual pride in them. And it's the fruit of that is that anger. So fear in people the, the, it will manifest itself and there'll be such a fear sometimes they'll nitpick every little thing and every, everything about other people too and it's just trying to find you know. but it's like rooted in fear but they're trying to what's going on and they want to control everything fear produces a lot of control amen and so I want you to think about is there any root of fear that's still there because right now, this week, this is the end of this six-week prophecy, this week, this coming Saturday, where the fire is, is purging, and I believe it's going to continue beyond this week, but there was a six-week time frame. The Lord said he's really going to be moving in fire. And then Mika saw hot coals. And I want you to pray about this with me, that any root of fear or pride that may still be in your life somewhere and you don't see it, that the Lord will burn it out and change that and set you free because the Lord doesn't want you to be susceptible to a religious spirit later on. And sometimes people have rejection issues and, and, and they don't think much of themselves and then they'll come up against the Goliath and they have a tendency to kind of hang their head down because they, they don't feel the confidence and the boldness to confront that. Or they feel like, well, I don't know enough of the Bible to you know sit here and debate with this person. You don't have to debate with them. If, if nothing else, just ignore them. In fact, a lot of times they're wanting to debate, and God's not wanting you to debate. But don't ever let that cause you to, to hang your head down and shrink back in intimidation, okay? But that's the angle they'll come, is they'll be quoting Scripture at you and against you and against the move of God. And you need to resolve it within yourself that just because they're quoting Scripture does not mean that it is the Holy Spirit, and nor is it proper interpretation of Scripture. It's they're coming at it with the letter that kills, not the spirit of the law that brings life. You need to resolve it in yourself. Just because they're quoting Scripture at you and against you and against the move of God does not mean they're right. 
Because there's people that quote scripture that do all kinds of, I mean, ridiculous and evil things. There's people that have murdered others and then quoted scripture about it. Amen? They have. There's people that have done atrocities and quoted the Bible saying, yeah, this is what God said. God didn't say do that. That's your weird interpretation of the Bible. So just because they're quoting the Bible does not mean they are correct. And I feel like you need to get that really deep down in you. You need to grab hold of that tight. I really feel by the Spirit that there's coming a time that some of you, that this thing is going to try to shake you. And it's going to use somebody that's quoting Scripture at you and against you and against the move of God. And if you let it shake your faith and get you to start questioning things, it actually can come in through that avenue in your mind. You're going to have to resolve within yourself. If you need to study up on it now, study up on it, but do not be shaken when they start trying to tell you that this is not of God, that it's the devil, or that it's just a bunch of emotional hype. And some of them that have a religious spirit, they'll come in, and God will touch everybody around them, and then they'll be standing there with a confused look on their face. Well, why isn't God touching me? If this was really God, then he would be touching me. Well, maybe it's because you're so arrogant that God's just not going to touch you, man, until you humble yourself. You know, maybe everybody else around you is humble, and you're the one that's prideful. And God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You don't see it. You don't see it all now, but I'm telling you, as a pastor, that the shepherd sometimes, the sheep are down here on all fours, you know, and they see a certain. But the pastor, God will give them supernatural vision, and you'll see things coming. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit, there's something coming. There's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a harvest. And things are going to increase. It's going to increase. And when it increases, Satan's going to go, well, you know, we can't, what are we going to do now? And then it's going to be this religious spirit. So be ready because it's coming and don't let it shake you. And don't feel like you're alone. It's not like River of Life is the only place seeing revival. Hello. Amen. We're not alone. There's people all across this nation, across the world, seeing the same things we're seeing. So it's not like we're some kind of weird little place, okay? We're, they're seeing the same thing we're seeing. They have the same doctrine we have. They believe the same thing we do. They understand the book of Acts the way we do. So don't let the enemy try to make you feel like that you're in some isolated little thing because that's the way they're going to come at it. And the biggest thing that they usually say, they love to use the word cult. They love that word. And they'll try to make it sound like it's a cult. And that's a big word with religious people. So just be ready for it, okay? Well, let's pray about the fear. And listen, I want you to believe. And some of you guys, you know what, if you want the prayer cloth, seriously, there's a power in prayer cloth. I, I will get that to you as you go. But I'm going to pray. I want you to agree with me. Father God, you see the areas, if there's spiritual pride in people or a tendency there, if there's insecurity issues, if there's fear whatever it is in people that needs to change so that they're not susceptible to a religious spirit, whether it's being used of one or being attacked by one like opposition. Lord, I pray that the blood of Jesus come over those areas. 
And Holy Spirit, that you would allow your fire to burn that out, that you would allow the hot coals to be applied to those areas and sanctify and bring change. Lord, I pray that your angels would, would dismantle any structures of death that have been set against us. I pray that you would use them to tear down those strongholds and bring a breakthrough and drive out anything associated with that structure of death. I bind anything that goes back to Python and command it go in Jesus' name. And anything like that that's been in opposition, Lord, I pray let there be a cleansing and a purification and a purging come. I feel the Spirit of the Lord would say, as right now I'm prophesying, that you need to take heed. You need to listen. Because this battle has been protected from you. But you will face it one day. Just because you're not facing it now does not mean you won't face it one day. And Father, I thank you and I pray grace, that you, that you give grace to the humble, that wherever we need grace, that it would be released. I thank you for great wisdom and a great anointing and great strength. We thank you, Lord, for we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're going to shut off the recordings, and um, I want real fast... Melissa, to come here. I want you to tell. She had a dream I feel is prophetic a long time ago, but it was about the Pharisees, remember? sitting at the table.